Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Today I sit down with Seattle-based father and son duo. I've got 11-year-old illustrator Young Lennox and his dad, Skip Glass. Young Lennox is known for his illustrations of classic hip-hop album covers, and Skip Glass has made a career for himself as an artist, graffiti writer, copywriter, and all-round funny guy to follow on the internet. All right, yeah. let's get to it. All right. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. You know, seems you seems you're killing it in the art world. Uh, you know, I've got to find out like how an 11 year old, uh, makes an art career for himself, you know? So like, um, you know, like how'd you start drawing all these, uh, classic album covers? Well, so I used to draw superheroes cause I thought they looked cool. And then eventually we didn't really have enough people to draw. So I just asked the, the dude. Uh, what's his favorite superhero? And then he just said Gucci Mane. I was like, who's that? And then that they kind of started from there. Yeah. And were they like were they just album covers that were sitting around the the house and that? Or... Uh, it was kind of just like popular stuff around the time that just looked cool on the internet. That was easy. Yeah. So like you look online and then like search out good album covers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it um. Like, do you listen to a lot of the um, albums that you draw as well? Usually when we're drawing, we listen to the album. Yeah, because some of them are pretty gangster, like, you know, Ghetto Boys and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got grown-up tastes. <laughs> I, I, I guess I can chime in. I, he's, he's always known uh, what, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to say. So anything that was sort of parental advisory... Um, I guess it's it's never been a factor for his mom and I because he's always known the difference between swearing and stuff like that and a lot of it especially like you know when you get into like cheap key for like juvenile or something I think even adults don't know what they're saying yeah <laughs> depending on who it is so yeah you know when you're six I don't think you can tell what cheap key's saying <laughs> <laughs> or even as an adult yeah as you said but um like do you find it weird that like all these people want to talk to you about you know your drawings and stuff when you're just a kid being a kid just doing your thing i mean i, I don't remember any life without it so like it's just like yeah it's cool yeah and how old were you when you started doing all these drawings five five yeah wow five. awesome six Really? I, I had to look it up. It was six. Six, okay. I guess I was off. Yeah. Uh, well, five, I guess five with the superheroes. Okay. Then yeah. Five. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do five. Five with uh, starting draw a lot. Six is when the first first drawing happened. Yeah, and over over the um over the last five years, do you feel that your uh, arts developed a lot? Like your styles changed and evolved. Yeah, I stopped using little kid markers. I felt pretty good about that. Got the fancy ones now, eh? Rib and you get to sleep in an actual bed. That's with markers. So with um, like the documentary that was done on you and stuff like that, was that really weird being asked to uh, you know, be in a film and? It's hard to. It's like a 
weird feeling. It's like, oh, cool. People want to know about me. Then it's like, you're asking me to jump on a bed while playing a Lego game. I mean, it's not out of the ordinary. They just wanted you to be yourself. This kid being a yeah. kid, eh? Do, do any of your friends understand, like, what's going on with you, with your drawings and stuff like that? I think they just think it's, like, cool. But they don't, like, pay attention to it. It's like, hmm, that kid draws. He's cool. His actors, his, his peers, don't really know. And... It's more like a teacher finds out type thing. Yeah. So have you taken is, any any of your um like articles and that to show and tell at school? I did once. I gave my teacher a newspaper and she put it on the snack cupboard for the rest of the year, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And like Except it was, I just like look back, just randomly like see someone walk in the room, then I'd see myself staring at myself. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> And have you, you've got to meet a few of your, uh, few of the artists. That you, I mean, the rappers and that that you've drawn. Like, who are some of the people you've met? Met Big A, Nick Bronson, Cameron. Uh, you didn't get to meet Gucci, but you got to saw him, which was pretty cool. Uh, got to meet Cool Keith, Raekwon, Raekwon, Vince Staples. Uh-huh. You went on stage with E Forty. Oh yeah, <laughs> Macklemore. Oh Tim, uh, Tim from Tim and Eric, or no Eric, Eric from Tim and Eric. Eric Weinheim, randomly, when we were out there for Tribeca, that dude's huge. Yeah, he's like he's got to be like six six. Oh Everlast, House of Pain. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude was cool. That was a pizza hut. Yeah, he. Uh, he hair. invited Lennox out to watch a House of Pain set, and then. Well, we, we legit with a jester outfit ran yeah. out and started jumping like crazy. For Jump Around, like, obviously that's the song, you know, people yeah. are paying the money for. They bring out this, like, midget, like, straight, like, checkered <laughs> jester hat. And he's got, like, these fake Crocs. Yeah, and it just, it, like came, out of, it came out of nowhere, Tom. And honestly, it we, that was, like, one of the best things. Just watching Lennox see this this unfold because we didn't know like it's not like everyone's like make sure you like wait for the midget like it just it just hits the stage and jump around go i mean you know as i would have jumped i was just like yeah i'm gonna chill yeah uh, i'd rather not go with a gesture that might be weird i mean it's a midget gesture i'm i'm saying son that I, you I, can't I, trust I, a, a gesture a magician a balloon sculptor <laughs> Uh, the guys that bring iguanas to beaches. <laughs> the, any of those any of those are just sketch. Or guys that have their first name as their last name, like Montgomery, Montgomery. Oh, okay. I heard you um also thought that uh Cool Keith's house was a bit spooky and weird. That was a studio Oh was it? That he agreed to um do some like verses for some guy. So that's how the the, the meetup happened. But that shoot was extremely, like, ominous and dark. Like, it was a real – the Pacific Northwest gets, like, super, you know, Salem's Lottie kind of vibes. So that was a just a – the night just had a weird thing. But yeah, And this big dude offered me a giant freaking bowl of candy. I was like, no. Nah. Yeah. But, but it was a really weird studio. 
like there was like some like random chicks there like that weren't really there for Keith. They were just like hanger rounders. And then it was this huge like two story house. And then uh, Keith was like super rad. And it, it was funny because he doesn't ever drop it. And then he sort of had to drop it for Lennox. Like he, Lennox being six, like sort of made him answer the questions because he, he won't, he doesn't even make eye contact. He's extremely exactly how you would think he would be just replies with weird like non sequiturs and stuff so they they kind of vibed out he brought him an ultraman doll from japan and then gave him like he gave you a space name you gave me a, you gave me a lyric board thing with yeah his. he gave him like his like notepad his legal pad and gave him like said he was like space lennox and that was his space name to meet space chicks and you know very very keith answers but also it was cool to see him kind of rap out and like explain stuff he he said a lot of the lyrics came from him for dr octagon came from like him and his brother when they were little like doo-doo pistols and stuff like that so that was kind of cool like of course moose bumps yeah moose bumps all, yeah. all that, all, all that lovely Doctor Octagon stuff. So he kind of got out of his his character a bit to explain actual like symbolism from the, his life. So it was interesting to see him kind of be normal. Yeah. <laughs> For little little glimpses, like so you know there's someone behind it, you know. Yeah. Um, have you presented like most of the rappers you've met? Have you pre- uh, presented them with um, some artwork? Uh, yeah, we usually, like, bring the piece of them that we've drawn. Do you give them the original or, like, um, a print or anything like that? Uh, what do we give them? Um, like, about half and half. Yeah. Just, just depends. Uh, Raekwon has an original. Action has an original. Um, and then some just have prints or... Didn't E40 have an original, but then he sent it back. No, E40 tried to buy it, but it, we had given it as a wedding gift to someone. And then E40 sent us a box of wine. Just just a lovely dude. Yeah. Earl Stevens is a, just, just in case anyone's ever wondering, is the nicest man in show business. Yeah. Like E40? Yeah. Just great. He was like, do you, do you want a box of wine? And I was like, I don't drink, but yeah. <laughs> So, so, Len- so Lennox drank it all. Yeah. Yeah, we got some cool little, like, weird knickknacks that they've sent him. Like a Mother's Day card from Cam and his mom. Stuff like that. Yeah. So have you um have you kept in contact with any of these rappers, or was it just, like, one-off meeting and, and that's that? We only met a few people twice. Actually, we only met one. I don't know why I'm saying a few. We might meet Cameron twice, but... We only met Raekwon twice, but Raekwon's cool. Yeah. You know, I was in in Barcelona and I went to a friend's house and she had um, one of your um, Cameron prints up on the wall. Statistically, we think that the Cameron one sold the most. Yeah. And it wasn't even an album cover. Nope. Just some dude in a pink robe with a phone. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's an iconic image. Good drawing. Thank you. No worries. So, um, you know, I guess, have you have, like have you made an effort to um, you know, try and build your career or anything like that, or have you just a kid doing his thing and um, and everyone's just sort of lapped it up, or has your dad uh, been helping you out? I, I guess. What do you mean by that? Well, like you know, you, drawing outside of stuff or like. Well, you know, you've like, had like exhibitions in an exhibition in LA, you've been like in Huffington Post, Complex, like all these different articles done on you. You've had a documentary made, but you, you know, you're just a kid going about his life, aren't you, doing your, doing your thing? Have you like, yeah. have, you, have you put like um, any effort into it at all or have you just waited for people to contact you? It's more of a dad question. Yeah. Um, I would I would say it, it's pretty effortless in terms of the the a lot of the press and opportunities came just came to us and then we would vet them and a, a lot of stuff turned down you know if it if it didn't feel right um, and as far as the actual art output I would say you probably never drew more than like once a week or once every two weeks i mean it wasn't an extraordinary amount of art um the as it got farther and farther in it like kept getting longer like maybe like one every month yeah. and then like two every like four months lennox's contribution is just the art and being available to do you know for to get him and cameron in a room to get anyone in camera in a room takes a lot of work. It's, you know, they just, they don't necessarily, like, aren't, they aren't driven to do it when they touch down in the city. So you really have to put in, like, a lot of legwork to make it happen. So a, a lot of it's, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is um, sometimes no, like, putting in an, an immense amount of effort to get one little moment or photo and sometimes you don't it doesn't happen or you got to wait around it's just it's a yeah, 840 we had to wait in the cold for actually like an hour yeah so it's at, Lennox puts in effort maybe not he doesn't have to like manage any of the boring stuff but there's a good amount of effort he has to be a good sport about waiting and also um, dealing with like you know, people wanting photos or yeah. sign stuff or whatever so you know we, we, we have to gauge as a parent you have to kind of gauge that and see what's what feels right and what feels like actual work and if it gets closer to that work and then you just have to kind of go alright no more yeah, yeah. <laughs> you still want to, you still want to be a kid and do do all that stuff so we've yeah. we've We've always steered it towards keeping it fun. Yeah, yeah, most of the shows, like after an hour or two, I was just pooped and fell asleep in my bed. Yeah. Because I, I think with like a lot of the popularity, it's come down to having like a good angle. But even like you know, you've just found a subject matter and and just kept going with it and exploring like different album covers and like uh, different images from from hip hop. I guess we have, the angle that you come at is so loose and. Um, I don't know just the way you break down an image is um it's really cool it's really unique. 
you know. But Thanks. I think, but I think, like e- it could easily be done by an adult with the same style. But I think they'll just they'll, they'll think about it too much. Whereas you know, you bring a, you know, I guess you were what six when you started doing it. You're just looking and and drawing, you know. <laughs> I think that's what they find like appealing about it is that a five year old does it where if you like just show it to your friends when you're like eighteen they're like, Oh cool, you do that. And I was like, It's a five year old to like people that just scroll across it. It's like you actually get to see something that a six year old did just some markers, screen, piece of paper. Yeah. So since you've been selling stuff, have you um have you started like really uh you know, getting getting better markers and using nicer paper and stuff, knowing that you um, you know, you're gonna potentially give it to someone well known or um, or sell your artwork. Not really. We just used the same markers since I was six, and we like just just print our paper because the the supplies have stayed the same. It's straight A4 printer paper and Prisma. Um, when we do prints, we have a really amazing um, soak screen house called Broken Press here that's able to force four color process his stuff in a way that is real accurate to how the marker the marker is. So it's not fully opaque. You know, it shows like those like marker strokes, and they they just nail it. So it's 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 nice to have like the high quality like archival stuff for people that want it. But I've done stuff where, you know, we blow up, you know, it's four by four. Yeah. yeah. You know, quite, quite big. I've, I've always wanted to do like a proper, proper show with like a budget where, you know, if he had the same support group as a, a David show or, um, you know, a Barry McGee or something where there's like a production staff um i'd always always been real interested to see what would happen i guess the lego is kind of a um thing you want to talk about your camera on lego oh i'm gonna give a shout out to the boy mark <laughs> <laughs> uh what's his last name chronic mark mark chronic help me big cameron big one now 25 inches when lennox went to tokyo tokyo the they had a studio assistant, and I don't, I, I, I think that's a, a title beneath them, but it, it turned out to be Mark Chronic, um, and him and Lennox just hit it off, you know, since Mark's, Mark's a, an, a, a true, true Aussie. Mark and him hit it off, and Mark helped uh, execute the, the camera on piece. Yeah, we even had over, a time over there. Because we, we couldn't send it as is. Yeah. It was it was in bins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had a little Lego orchid that we put as a mole, and you changed every day because that's what you do with camo. Yeah. Always changing. And so, so how did you end up in Tokyo? Did you go there for a holiday, or did you have an art show over there? Uh, these guys at this art shop trying to like bring more art to Tokyo, I believe, and there's like that oh this kid, he's cool, bring him down. Yeah, and that paid for the flyover and stuff, and it was cool. It's a um, cult club, Tokyo, um, run by this guy Lintaro, 
who has a background in a lot of the retail production um, and media. He worked for Frank Japan and a couple others. He reached out asking if Lennox would be interested in doing a Tokyo show. And it just sounded so insane that we asked Lennox if he wanted to do it. And he went for it. And where else have you uh, exhibited? You had a show in L.A. as well, didn't you? L.A., Canada. And then we had one here at this skate shop called Alive and Well. And uh, he had a show during Freeze Week in New York. That was his oh, first yeah. show when he was six. He, we didn't get to go to that. Um, okay. But that was put on by this uh, gal, Myla Del Bessio, who's a really rad artist slash model slash writer. Um, really, really cool uh, kind of contemporary artist and she saw Lennox's stuff and reached out and that was like the first legit art thing so she flew out to Seattle to physically get the work and bring it back and it got a big write up in uh, Art Bulin whatever that site some super bougie art site I don't even know but it was like a big deal yeah. <laughs> if you're like a zine New Yorker kid that's like the, the blog you want to be in <laughs> Lennox got in there like first, first try some... have people last... tried to talk like um like art wank stuff to you like oh I love the composition and the naivety of da, 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 you know do people try and talk that way to you like gallery people and all that I don't think so you know what most of the galleries are are more like event spaces than right. proper galleries so he we we, Most of the time, they don't talk to me. It's yeah. just I go roaming around with picture it's, people. Yeah, fan, fan, fans are the ones that actually talk to him. So yeah. he hasn't had the pleasure of dealing with some like over-the-top symbolism that's not there. <laughs> and, and with all these shows, they've all been solo shows, I take it. But um, like, have you been selling your artwork or have you just um, displayed it and then kept it for yourself? Uh... We sold some of the originals. There was one called No Snitching. We sold that. We also sold Ice Cube. Kind of sad about that. But, yeah, mo- most of the stuff is just prints and clothing items. But there's, like, some originals that get sold. Yeah. But, hey, let's talk about you now, Skip. You know, because you've, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've done your bit, too. <laughs> I, I try, man. Yeah. Because I'd be the the second the second most successful artist in this house. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. the dogs give me a good run. No, uh, no, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. So like I, I first came across you via like your um your old old blog that you had, Super Duty Tough Work. Yeah. Yeah. Was that um was that your first like uh like blog or like you know sort of online persona that started to gain some attention yeah yeah for sure um i've I've had a a good number of lives um most of it goes back to super duty tough work in that um i don't really know what the impetus was to start it other than i think a lot of um branding you know a lot of like streetwear and skate stuff went to sort of the blog format was sort of the the main platform so I just started one for myself and then um, 
it just grew from there. So obviously the, you know, referencing like case two and that's where I got the name. That's where I learned how to write and do like op-ed style writing. Um, And it just became sort of this amalgam of um, a way to share kind of the ADD type level of interest I have in graffiti art, branding, design, dance hall, rap, uh, internet humor, skating, which, you know, all those things do have a lot of overlap, but it was sort of a free-for-all, just whatever I was feeling would go up. And, yeah, that... It's it's still up for people. It's funny. I, I left it up there. It's just, just still hanging out. I'll even like come through it when I'm looking for stuff. I kind of use it like as a cloud drive. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll find like nugs. Also, it's a good way to like uh, ego check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see people are still listening, uh, looking at it. I mean, I don't think anyone. I I wouldn't know. If, anyone looks at I, I know the seo on it's really good for certain things like it'll be the top like result hmm. for you know some obscure weird dance hall thing or graffiti thing but um you know just if you're sharing your thoughts on the internet daily and you go back long enough you're gonna find something that you're probably going to laugh at yourself or cringe, you know, just like old pieces or whatever, you know, you're just popping off jacked up on coffee. You're going to, you're going to see something you wrote. dumb. So yeah, I always appreciate that. You know? I, I went, I went to see if it was still up there yesterday and I, um, man, I got lost in it again, just started scrolling, <laughs> you know, and just like, Oh, next page, next page, next page. It's like, fuck, I'm, I'm sucked, sucked into the black hole. That's yeah, super duty I mean, tough I, work. yeah, I, I, I love just like reminiscing on because it's like a, it's a really good way to organize a lot of that stuff that you would just never keep or hold on to, you know. Yeah. So, because but the, one of the things that appealed to me at the time when you were doing it daily was um, like you had quite unique tastes, but it was they really spoke to me, you know, like with a lot of the dancehall music and and hip hop, and there were things that. I just didn't know where to search for certain things and you'd post up a lot of albums with download links to them and um yeah introduced me to a lot of uh, a lot of good music. Yeah, I, I I mean that that was probably a majority of it and and because I would meet, you know, through through that blog meet other people whether it be other writers or you know artists or other blogs, you know, then you start sharing and so you know, I, I'd be G chatting with someone and if they liked something they saw, they would hit me to some mix, you know, and then that, that would just turn into post. So it, it was a good way to, you know, kind of be like a, 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 a brain trust of like places to find good music and obscure st- stuff that was just a little bit harder to find that you wouldn't just find on a, on a more popular site. And then of course, that was a great era of free music, you know, mega upload and all those sites. So you just could run rampant with like albums, whatever you needed. Yeah. I used to feel guilty when I, first, when I started 
like downloading music for free and like a yeah. lot of it was off your site but then I'd um I'd stop and think about it and it's like hang on you know I've bought like a a bookshelf full of uh records and then I've got like a bookshelf full of CDs and stuff like that it's like yeah yeah I put some money in some musicians pockets you know <laughs> oh man I for for sure I think I've you know I've probably repurchased stuff in like various formats or whatever I I've I was always that guy that had like like CD books, and then I was lucky to not get into vinyl. I remember once I got like a crate of it, like I accumulated like a, a, a proper like milk crate full. I just went fuck this, this is heavy, and realized that it just turns to furniture. And so I'm I'm super lucky I didn't get the the vinyl bug, and end up with just this like you know ex-girlfriend amount apartment filled with <laughs> just like double you know back then everyone had doubles you had to have doubles of everything yeah. doubles so it was even worse you know so you know as much as i wanted to like dig for samples and stuff like that i i just kind of went nah yeah and <laughs> it, it is weird i was talking uh, i was reading a um an article a while ago and it was like mick jagger or someone like that was quoted in saying it's like um there's this window of opportunity for where musicians made shitloads of money you know like it was um you know from the i think the 40 the 40s till 2000s and that was it yeah. you know 60 years if you think of the history of, of music from like cavemen being in the cave banging sticks together till till now he said it's a small window of opportunity where the, the business side was like spot on and and all the um people were buying albums and he's like musicians were just killing it, but now that that's that's ended. You know, you got to think of new ways to make money. Totally, and and it, you you see that now. Um, you know, I think a lot of people get um, confused with rappers being so involved in like fashion, but if you look at it from a um, a strategy standpoint, the re- I, I I think a lot of that's fueled by the fact that fashion will pay rappers to appear do appearances wear things so it's it's if you look at it as like a stream of revenue it makes a lot of sense for asap to be you know kind of running around with jeremy scott or raf simmons because that that begets you know him getting asked to perform at like you know a vogue paris fashion week party or whatever and like you get the, the show fee for that or appearance fee for that and that's because he can't put out an album and expect it to go you know gold or platinum within a few weeks from actual physical sales mm. you know streaming streaming sales and you know digital and stuff i think they're still working it out you know i have some buddies that have you know over a million streams or whatever and couldn't rub you know can't pay to keep the lights on like we're in a changing time as well, like with art and, uh, you know, especially with Instagram, everyone's trying to get big followings and, and all that. But I think that um, we're in a, everything's changing at the moment. Because if you think back to like before you even did Super Duty Tough Work or around that time there was, um, you know, everyone was on MySpace, but that's like dead sure. now. And then, you know, Facebook and Twitter, I feel they're on the way back, way out. And then, um, you know, who knows what Instagram's got, got in store. I think everyone's so caught up on like sharing like a little snippet of every day instead of um like doing the the real work 
and um, you know building their skills. Because if you focus on your skills, you know you're going to um, the next thing, big thing that happens. If you're skilled up and you're putting good work out there, good content, I think people are going to be going to want to you know hire you for things. And Instagram, I think, creates this illusion that um, all you need to do is blow up. To, to be successful like just the act of being popular is success and it, it does what it doesn't show is the uh, the accumulative efforts or failures of an artist um and the you know the the sort of strife to get there it's like good examples like anti-social social club you know i don't know the, the the history behind that brand but it was really just one graphic and if that one graphic is popular, you sort of, you know, just can kind of blow up overnight. But then you start thinking, well, everything they do must be right they, because they're so successful in terms of being popular. But you don't really know what kind of work they put in, what they're doing behind the scenes. They, you just have that one window to look through. So it, it kind of, you know, doesn't really show... Um, it's not a good like barometer of like how hard someone's working necessarily or what they're putting their efforts into. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you were doing your um, you, you know, the Super Duty tough work, you're do you're putting out like bits of copy like every day, and through right. that, you know, did you feel that your writing skills got stronger, and then, you know, eventually you got getting employed by like Four Pins and Complex and that to do articles and things. Like, um, yeah. Do you feel that you know you built your strengths? through daily practice and then um and then you know got noticed and then started getting employed exactly so um unintentionally was training to be a copywriter and a you know an op-ed writer editorial writer um so i would i would just come up with my own pitches and just pitch you know, just the dumbest idea I had to myself. Of course, I'm going to approve it. You know, <laughs> so I, there's there's no consequence to do. You know, it's my own blog, whatever. And you know, doing that enough times, I sort of learned the process of how you develop an idea, how you write it, edit it. You know, trim it down, um, pair it with imagery, the pacing, and then. Um, it, I think it only took like one time of someone saying, oh, well, we'd like to pay you to write for us. That it, the light bulb went off like, oh, pe- this is an actual job. I, I didn't really ever, I thought you had to go to journalism school or, you know, kind of it, go through the proper like channel of academia to become a writer. I didn't know you could just write how you spoke. And that led to, um, working with like the kid marrow um and i'm not a toy um which uh was started by uh my a buddy justin scott um and uh yams and a few other people and um got asked to join that and that was actually a really influential site for me in a lot of ways because that was the first site that used um, keywords as sort of a secondary joke. So there would be the main image that they would find off a message board or something, because this is pre-Instagram, 
so things weren't photos weren't as viral they had to be sort of sought out through these weird message boards or whatever and so they'd be like a really funny like hood prom photo where the like couples like dressed in like violet and like sapphire blue silk something and they would just post that picture but then the funny parts would come not in the that's the photo itself was funny but it was the keywords would just be like street glam sex life brought out here doing it all the way doing the most like chill life like these these funny like keywords that they would just throw in and that kind of beget that sort of um I think what's kind of considered like modern day internet humor, especially, especially on Instagram, that, that sort of style. Um, so that was cool to be like around for that because that, I mean, people didn't even write op-ed pieces where they would say, bruh, or, you know, I, I just, after it kind of got out of hand, I had to like change it to like dog, like D-A-W-G because people just started inserting it. But that's when, um, people felt comfortable writing for major editorial stuff like GQ or whoever with like casual language versus, you know, these kind of like proper, like investigative, like, almost, you know, research pieces that would have these like amazing poetic intros that would, you know, go in, you know, it'd be a piece on Gucci main, but it would read like, it was like you were following Al Gore to, you know, follow, do climate change or something, you know, but like, so you would never think you could write for the fader because the, the, the level of writing was so high. And then you could just come in and just be like dog year all the way out of pocket and just say like pussy fiesta. And then it, people would love it and just totally be like, Oh, well, I've, I've talked to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I know this, this kid, I yes. don't know who just like, crazy poetic academic person is but whoever this kid's chiming in his two senses that that's someone i've met before so that was relating to your audience eh? yeah and just i i i I always tried to write how i spoke you know and and that that's always worked for me so like you you also uh paint as well like uh do you do you just have fun with it or because you've been in some shows and like you know, doing some really good stuff, especially with like your your wizard themed work and all oh, that. Like, like, are you taking yeah. that anywhere, or are you just um, having fun with it? Yeah, the um, thanks, man. The 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 wizard sort of lurker dude guys that have been coming out lately. <clears throat> that's the first time I challenged myself to um, really push for like <clears throat> my own characters. Like, like really go for like what's, um, what 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 I would like, I guess come up with, without any reference, and and they're not. I, I don't think they look completely, one hundred percent unique. I mean, they look like little bits of other things, but they're the ones that I can draw naturally, just off off my head, and then. Um, the whole purples and pinks like that color palette is just a way to kind of keep it all in like one world. So I'm, I'm hoping that if I just keep doing it, I just wrapped on a um, mural for this bar here and called Jupiter bar by um, one of the owners. His name's Joe Nix. Who's a really great 
Um, he's a writer, um, muralist as well, sign, sign painting too. And he does like photo realism, but like, you know, six stories high. So it'd be like a woman floating with a bunch of like smoke around her and stuff, but you know, real high quality, like photo realism. And he opened this bar and had a bunch of pretty renowned painters come in. And I was lucky enough to get asked to do this one room that was, had a purple light hanging in it. And so he was just like, Oh, just do wizard it out. And so there was like tons of like pinball machines and arcades and stuff. So I just like went full nuts and just knocked it out and did a bunch of latex and brush and kind of pushed myself to, um, learn how to just brush in the last like two years. Yeah. So I haven't rushed brushing too much, you know, always with spray or, you know, pen marker. So learning, learning a brush has been pretty humbling. Um, yeah, it brings you back, doesn't it? Like I, I was the same, you know, up until a few years ago, I just did everything with spray or, you know, um, like even watercolors, but it was all like sort of laying down flat color. But once I started trying to get my line work with the brush, it was just killing me, you know, at first I'm all right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Um, you know, I always had friends that told me to get into it earlier and I wish I, I wish I had, you know, back way back when, but you kind of get that, that little part of your ego goes, well, like, just give me a marker. Just give me, you know, just give me that. Cause you want that instant line, you know, that you know that you can control, but the brush is just don't, don't want to listen. Yeah. So you, um, so you're looking to take your art career anywhere and, and build it or is it just something that you're, um, playing around with? Um, I, I, I think the, you know, I've, I've gotten more and more commissions. So, been lucky to do some album covers um i did one for tommy cruz um he's a cool like producer from uh quebec who did these like crazy um sort of like 90s memphis style stuff but like sort of his versions of them um and so he was easy to work with because he just once he found out that i knew who he was like sampling or like into he just was like, oh, yeah. you know, And I, I pretty much push wizards and, like, spook, not spooky, but, uh, like, wizards, sorcery, any kind of, like, crystal ball. If I can get a client or someone to get into that, like, smoke, sparkles, stuff like that, I pretty much am kind of like that family guy joke where it's just like, yeah, so what I want you to do, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to do wizards. No, I don't know, but see, I was thinking like you could do, like, a sunset, and it would be like, yeah, so, like, a sunset with a wizard. No, I don't. I'm not necessarily a wizard. Maybe you know, like a different type of character. Yeah, I'm. I'm just do a wizard. Yeah. So it's it's been this like pushback. So yeah, I guess the as far as a career, I, I guess it's always our goal to like be a full time artist. But I found it, um, you know, after talking with you know people I respect and you know have kind of been doing it you sort of always need to have kind of like a, a bread and butter gig and then do your work on top of that until one of them overlaps. It, one can surpass the other. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm at the point right now where I'm just, just getting enough gigs. So these last couple months have been great, but I can have a dry spell 
and that's that's not fun. No, no, I know what you mean. They got to keep it going. Um, so what about Lennox? Does he uh, does he get many um, commissions and sort of paid gigs, album covers and stuff like that? Um, since Tokyo, which was a year and a half ago, almost now, um, he's pretty much been retired. He he hasn't really done much, and that that's just to sort of ensure that it stays fun. So, um, it's less active. So we're not putting out a lot of stuff. We have been. His mom and I have been playing around this idea of doing a retirement show, and probably would do it in New York or L.A. and kind of being the last like major young Lennox project so it's kind of like a victory lap for him and then um he actually has a his mom started a a shaved ice company like Hawaiian shaved ice you guys have that no I know what it is yeah yeah okay so it's, it's just you know chopped up ice with like you know basically like liquid candy syrup poured into it but there, she learned how to make like the syrup, like whole batch, like it's like real strawberry syrup versus, you know, just like out the pump kind of liquid chemical stuff. Yeah. So he has like his own uh, shaved ice business that he's starting next next summer. So that that seemed cooler than doing more young Linux stuff. I think. Yeah. Just get him in the van, start selling shaved ice. <laughs> He's pumped on it, so if he's pumped, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about it, loving what you do, you know, not being, not feeling forced to do things. Yeah, he's also really into basketball right now. Um, so, so he, uh, you know, we want to make sure he has the free time. If he's doing a sport, you know, they usually have like two or three practices a week in a game. So he, we. You know, that was school. The last thing we kind of want to deal with is doing shows and stuff. It, and it sounds funny. It sounds like counterintuitive, like, oh, it's successful. Just keep going. But, you know, it, it, it burns me out and his mom out just to keep up with it. So, you know, it, we're happy to just kind of let him do whatever he's whatever he's feeling yeah he goes to surf surf camp during the summer snowboards skates so cool everything everything a kid should be doing yeah exactly so if he wants to do art i'm always excited to see if all this stuff kind of hits at some point like like there's an aha like whoa like it did that because it it kind of comes in like as he's gotten older like there's stuff that he's retained from it that I didn't know he would or wouldn't remember. And that's cool to watch. So, you know, neither you nor I did any of the stuff he did (laughs) at age seven. So I just trip out because I'm like, what happens like when he's like 15 and then that sinks in like, Oh, I did like some crazy stuff, you know? Cause like I have just, just heaps of stuff that's like sitting around like he's in Japanese magazines or French magazines or juxtapose or front page of the newspaper you know there's like 
stacks of prints. We have a box of like Jap- his Japanese line, you know. So it's it's pretty funny just to think like what if you're coming to age and then you realize oh that was kind of crazy. Yeah. And what what ins- what that inspires? Yeah. What what comes yeah. after that? You know. So we'll see. It's just crazy to think that so many people are putting so much work in to even get half of what he's achieved, you know, at six or seven years old, and he's just gone out and done it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like, I think, the draw of it, the appeal. Initially, when it first started getting bigger and bigger, there would be sort of like trolls, you know, that, that were clearly like burnt, you know, artists of, you know, that just didn't, you know, they just had doodles or whatever they would, you know, but just, they would be so upset (laughs) at, you know, like the attention he was getting, because I think you could just see that he didn't have to do an exorbitant amount of, you know, work or what, how much work could a seven-year-old do? Yeah. You know, to get there. So that, but after a while that, that kind of all went away. I used to have to kind of really check on it because I didn't know if someone was going to pop off and say some like super crazy shit in the comments. Yeah. But at, at some point just like completely went away and people just enjoyed it and kind of understood that we, we did a lot of charity stuff. Yeah. Um, every year he does like a toy drive. He usually gets like four or five shopping carts full of stuff that we donate to like the Seattle children's hospital and he's donated a bunch of pieces to like charity shows and stuff. So that's kind of like some of the cool stuff that's like come out of it for sure. Cool. Yeah. So, so just wrapping this up, um, like where's the best place for people to check out your work and Linux's work online? Um, I would say Linux, you can Google this young Linux Y-U-N-G, not Y-O-U-N-G. And there's a, you know, a ton of stuff out there, you know, tons of articles. Um, his Instagram's still kind of the most up-to-date, but even that, we don't use a ton. But um, that's just at Young Lennox. And mine, I don't have a proper site either. I just kind of take commissions as I get them. So it would just be through Instagram as well, which is just skip.class. But, yeah, I mean, I'd, should I have a website, Tom? Should we do, is that, are I blowing it? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, like you got, every, I mean, everyone I interview, they say, uh, I've got an, a website and I haven't uh, updated it in about a year. <laughs> does, do Dabs and Myla have a website? I mean, I saw them a while back. Yeah, I mean, they've they, got they one. Seem- they, they seem to do well. Yeah, they're on top the, of their shit, though. You know, like yeah, they'll, they'll pretty, keep it up to date. Screw this Instagram stuff. Get the website. Let the money come pouring in. Quit my job like Tom. I'm on. Yeah, live the dream. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm probably like two years away from just going full wizard. Yeah. Man. Give or take. Do it. You'd be surprised. Bounce. I tell you what, it's quit. It's quitting that job that starts uh, really opening up the opportunities. Because you go, because oh, yeah. you'll be going full time wizard, not uh, not part time wizard or wizard on the weekends. You know. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I, I have seen, I mean, for anyone that's like struggled with that, I, I have seen people just go for it and that lights the fire. So that fuels, you know, knowing, giving yourself deadlines, being on top of it, you know. Um, I know a couple people that can do it really well and they don't, you know, they just keep the work coming in. Um, but yeah, there is that sort of, I think there's also the, the other side to it where people think, oh, you can just do it from the get-go like that. Nah. And I think that's the that's the one that is kind of what you're speaking about. It's, that's the misleading part. Yeah, you got to do the work. you got to build I've, the skills. I've got, yeah, i got young younger kids that kind of come up to me and they're like, oh, you have it figured out. And I always tell them, like, yeah, I don't post about when I'm, like, you know, working, like, bar backing <laughs> for, like, 200 bucks or something. Like... Like, you don't see people post that because they want you to believe, like, you know, it's this thing. But I'm I'm actually lucky. I work for a really rad um, company called Sizzle Pie. And it's just, like, this, like, stoner pizza company that's just all metal graphics and stuff. So I can just wizard it up. Yeah. I just have to bring pizza to skaters and do cool events and art shows. So, um it's actually it actually overlaps quite a bit into my my interests. So, but that took took a long time to get there. So yeah, lucky man. It's been awesome. It's been great to uh, yeah, sit down and have a chat. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun to do uh, do a, a live one with Lennox. We have, he hasn't done like a magazine or anything in a minute, and it's it's a, it was a way more fun to kind of just sit there and watch him go. Oh, I gotta get back to the Call of Duty, Brian. Do you, do you want to do your your shoutouts? Oh yeah, gonna give a shout out. Some Kiwis, Stacy and Anthony Lee. Like to call Anthony Silverstein. So yeah, that it. Or were there more besides Mock? Oh, gonna give a shout out to me mom. <laughs> me mom, probably doing some work in Chicago. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guests, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guests' artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.